Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue Monthly Podcast. I am Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vallejos and Ken Levin. How's it guys? How's it going? Uh, all right, pretty good. My fantasy football team is winning in the semifinals, so everything's good. Always important. Yep, yep. Truly, the utmost importance. You know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, important things happened today to segue to promote trade and extend and it was actually really hard to like pick one thing a lot of influential people were born a lot of people died a lot of stuff that have like you know huge impact on world history happened um oliver cromwell he became lord protector of britain battle of the bulge happened uh the chinese entered the korean war um John Gotti became the Don of the Gambino crime family. Catherine of Aragon was born. Beethoven. Jane Austen. Colonel Sanders died. A lot of big things. Yeah, where you talk about that, that's nuts. Yeah, but um, I guess the most relevant to us as Americans is that the Boston Tea Party happened in 1773. And that's a nice, easy topic. Don't have to go through mental gymnastics to kind of figure anything out. So, um, there's a bazillion different kind of tea out there, herbal infusions that technically aren't tea, but close enough, whatever. So I'm not going to list specific ones, but all the different kinds of tea out there, 
and herbal infusions and whatever else. What tea are we going to promote? What are we going to extend? And what are we going to trade? Okay. For me, I'm trading chai tea because I just hate chai tea. What? Gross. Wait, wait. Are you just saying each of us are going to choose three or are you going to give us three options here? No, no. Whatever you want. There's just a bazillion out there. I can't just narrow it down to just three different kinds of tea. Do I know three? Extend Earl Grey, promote Mm -hmm. green tea, and trade most herbal teas. I also promoted green tea. It's, you know, it's a solid contributor. Not the best, but you could always count on it. All right. Let me th- let me think for a moment here. I'm going to trade uh, – no, I'm going to I'm gonna extend chai tea because chai tea is fucking delicious. You're just <sighs> wrong. You're just wrong, uh, objectively. Um, promote. What's another tea? Like I, I have my trade, but I can't think of another tea that I like more than just, okay, this is tea that I would want to promote. I guess green tea is fine. I don't want to say iced tea because that's not really tea. That's that's totally cheating. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll say I'll promote green tea. Green tea is pretty good. Uh, I'm going to trade lapsang tea because I like mm. some smokiness, but lapsang is just like walking into it, like dunking your head in a southern barbecue smoker and not in a good way. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that seem extremely gross tea-wise, but I've just never had, so I can't really like mm-hmm. – objectively trade it like butter tea butter tea sounds gross but what the hell is butter tea it's it's like uh himalayan tea that it's basically what the hell tea that's brewed uh, very like a tea concentrate almost and then just kind of poured into butter and then it's like salty and creamy and thick that actually sounds interesting I mean, it's good. Like it, it's good for like nutritionally for like the Himalayan people. It's very uh, fatty and and has a lot of energy and stuff. But I can't imagine the taste would be particularly good, especially if it's you know yak butter, which just doesn't. Gonna, yeah. yeah, they don't have cows. That sounds interesting. That sounds like something I'd like. So it, it's huh. it, it's like on my list of things to try, but I don't imagine that it would be. Just go to your local neighborhood purveyor of yak butter. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be extremely fresh because there's lots of yak farms here in the U.S. God. All right. um, Yeah. So, well, the Rule 5 draft came and went and is expected the Mets didn't do anything because the 40-man roster was already full and – then they signed Michael Walker and Rick Porcello. So even if they were interested in shredding, shedding some of that marginal weight on the roster, um, you know, it was going to those two guys anyway. So they didn't lose anyone, which is good. Um, a couple of players that could have been selected, uh, Shervian Newton and Harold Gonzalez, you know, the odds of, of them being taken were kind of slim. And, you know, it, it would have been sucky if either one of those guys were taken, but not, like, devastating or anything. Um, at the minor league level, uh, there was some action in the Rule 5 draft. The Mets lost Jason Kryzan. Uh, he was selected by Oakland. And they gained a player. They selected Adam Aller, who was a right-handed pitcher, and he was part of the uh, Giants organization. So Aller is, 
I'm not familiar with, with football at all, really. Um, but Greg Koch or Greg Koch, that's his nephew. He was a guard for Green Bay and then the Vikings and the Dolphins in like the 70s and 80s. Um, so, you know, he played football in high school, baseball in high school, and, uh, he eventually graduated in 2013, went to Northwestern State. He was a pretty solid pitcher there. Um, really good numbers, but this stuff is kind of like, yeah. Then he's drafted by the Pirates in 2016, um, 20th round, $70,000 signing bonus. He was okay at first, but then as he started going the full season ball, the numbers just, you know, fell off a cliff because his stuff is not really that great. Mm. Um, so he played in the Frontier League at the beginning of the season. He was playing for the Windy City Thunderbolts. And then the Giants signed him out of Indy Ball, and they signed him to Augusta, which is their low A affiliate. Numbers, again, were okay, nothing special, and now he is with the Mets uh, assigned to Syracuse. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that the Mets' obsession with Indy Ball pitchers is so great, mm-hmm. they drafted an Indy Ball pitcher in the Rule 5 draft? Pretty much. They, uh, you know... They love them so much that they're not even signing them directly. They are taking other guys as indie guys now, too. Holy Christ. Yeah, so I'm not too optimistic. Uh, you know, he kind of struggled in low A and high A, so I don't really know how well he's going to do in triple A, especially in, in the, with this juice ball. Mm. But. You know, uh, even without a juice ball, that uh, an 87 to 90 mile per hour fastball is not going to be a very uh, thin margin for error. Yeah, and the command is good. That you know, that that's good for him. That he doesn't walk too many guys, but a uh, below average fastball, and then you know, whatever serviceable slider and changeup, it's pretty uninspiring profile. Not going to be missing many bats. I know Ken and I talked about this, uh, but has there ever been a, a player of any significance selected in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft? I'm pretty sure there hasn't been. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there have been guys that have since gone on to actually make it to the majors and maybe have some degree of success, but, I mean, definitely not like major acquisitions or anything like that. But I really don't know without having all those numbers and info in front of me. Mm. Probably not. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he is in uh, Syracuse. He's going to be in that bullpen. And in additional news, the Mets signed a couple of other minor leaguers to, uh, fill in the Syracuse and Binghamton roster. They signed shortstop Max Moroff, left fielder Jarrett Parker, and right-handed pitcher Pedro Payano. Um, Moroff, he was a big overslot guy a couple of years ago. He was drafted by the Pirates in 2012. He was uh, signed for $300,000 in the 16th round at a Trinity Prep uh, in Florida. And it took him a couple of years to develop, but he had a kind of a breakout season in 2015 in Double A. He uh, he hit 293, 347, 409 in 136 games, which is pretty good. Wasn't able to keep up that pace, though, and, you know, the Pirates invested a lot of time in, in him. Um, he spent some time in their major league roster. The results weren't good. Uh, basically, over 
84 games in three years. He hit 193, 293, 331. So they they gave him plenty of looks. And after the 2018, 2018 season ended, they packaged him uh, along with Jordan Lupau to Cleveland. And Lupau broke out, but Moroff didn't. And, you know, it's a, it's a kind of bland profile. He's a hit-over-power guy, and the hit tool really isn't that great either. How's the um, defense? Defensively, he's uh, like a utility kind of guy. He could play any infield position. Um, okay. He's okay range, and his arm is about average, nothing special. So he's mainly like a, a second baseman, but when you need him to play short or third base for, you know, a few games or dude is injured, whatever, he can kind of slide in there. Well, Brody apparently said they are very high on him, which, uh, yeah. Said, and given the fact that they have no money to spend, that seems to me to suggest that they're going to put him on the opening, opening day bench, which is going to be, uh, real bad. Yeah, uh, his one bright spot, I guess, he's, he's kind of like a pesky hitter. Like, he'll work the count, he'll make the pitcher throw a lot of pitches, he'll draw some walks. That's useful, but, he strikes out a lot. There's not too much power. The hit tool is kind of eh. So there's a bazillion other guys, free agents or in-house guys. I would have more confidence than uh, more off. He's also already 26. Yeah. All, all these guys, are, you know, minor league free agents. So they're on the older side of 20, uh, 25. I don't, I don't know why they went with. More off instead of just bringing back pickles. Yeah, that's another thing is that these all these guys are, I would say, decidedly um, downgrades as compared to the guys they're losing uh, in minor league free agency. So, I don't know. I guess it's because a lot of the guys that they signed last year, Greg Blanco, Rajai Davis, they're kind of like quadruple-A fringe major, major leaguers that, you know, could have and, and in some cases did get shots at the major league level again, whereas these guys, barring, like you said, the organization seeing a lot more in them than we do, they, these guys probably are not going to be uh, getting major league time. But who knows? Um, so Jarrett Parker, he was another guy that was kind of highly thought of back in the day that never really panned out. He was drafted by the Giants. He was the second rounder in 2010. And for a couple of seasons in the mid-2010s, he was like a mid-level Giants prospect. Um, but he developed real slowly. Always was a little bit on the older side in relation to the league. So it kind of made it hard to judge in that regard. But he hit well in the PCL in 2015. And then he got a, a cup of coffee at the end of the year in San Francisco. And he hit like amazing, <laughs> actually. He hit... In September, 347, 407, 755 with six homers. So I vaguely remember that, like getting hype around this dude at that point. Yeah, the name sounded familiar. Um, but he just didn't really stick. You know, he was up and down in 2016, 2017, never was able to get much traction. They released him right before the 2018 season. Uh, he missed all of that year. And then he was signed by the Angels last year, and he spent most of the season in the PCL, and he was just okay. And, you know, in, in the PCL, when you're a power guy like he is, you want to, you know, do really good. And 
feels just okay, which is kind of a, a red flag, I guess. Um, you know, it it seems very um, uh, left-handed Travis Tyrone. Yeah, the I think he's a, a little bit of a better hitter than Tyrone, but he's mm-hmm. definitely a power over hit guy. Um, lots of strikeouts, you know, big swings, so lots of strikeouts. I think he's also a better fielder than Tyrone. You know, he can actually still play the outfield, whereas Tyrone, it didn't seem that way because they were exclusively playing him at first base. Um, as we've mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think I would rather see Tyrone signed and retained in the organization than them going out and getting a similar guy, but, um, I hope he is not Tyrone's replacement. Mm. But it, it's, you know, they definitely fit the same kind of profile, so. And then the last guy, and I guess the most interesting, uh, of all of them is Pedro Payano. Um, he was a, he was actually born here in New York, but he moved back to the DR where his parents are from and he grew up there. And then as a result, he qualified for international, uh, free agency. So back in 2012, uh, the Rangers signed him. They gave him a $650,000 signing bonus. And it took him a, a really long time to develop. He spent three full years in their DSL team and then um, played there part of a fourth before finally coming stateside. Uh, self-admittedly, in an interview, he said that it was because he has, quote, a short mind and has a lot, had a lot of growing up to do back then. So, I mean, I guess self-reflection is good, but I don't know. But he made his stateside debut in 2015, and since then he was, you know, okay to very good at basically every level that he pitched until 2018 when he made it to Double A. And you know, Double A is usually the uh, point of of you know where, where you can tell who has the chops to cut it. And you know, he he didn't really have the chops to cut it. And he became a free agent at the end of the 2018 season. He resigned with Texas for 2019, and they sent him back to Double A again. He wasn't that effective. They promoted him to Triple A, was even less effective, and he actually threw 22 innings in the majors, and you know was equally poor. Um, the stuff is solid though, so maybe there's the chance that you know a chance of scenery is something. We'll help him out and, and something will click. Uh, the, the fastball is okay. Uh, maybe average, a little bit above average. So right hands are low to mid nineties, tops out about 94, has a little cutting and sinking movement to it. And he complements it with a slider, change up, curveball, um, mostly, mostly slider and change up and gets a, a lot of ground balls. But you know, you, you look at other guys in the system, it's, just a lot of the same, I guess, you know, nothing really strikes out, sticks out and makes you say like, hmm, this guy might, you know, actually be a candidate to succeed now. Do you think they'll have him start or relieve at AAA? Uh, I guess it really depends on how the team kind of formats between now and opening day. And who's going to I be in that AAA rotation? It's going to be like Peterson, possibly Colome. Harrell? Harrell. Uh, Oswald's still around? Oh, yeah, yeah Oswald. Oswald's still yep, around. Yep. Does he, he has options, right? 
Probably. Okay, so Oswald. Um, Let's look on Cots. In an ideal world, they assign they sign enough relievers that they can option Gazelman to start, but we all know that won't happen. Mm. Uh, bring back Mickey Giannis. Janis, Giannis, whatever. He's he's a free agent, and hopefully they sign him and send him back to Double A so he can continue his dominance as, <laughs> as being the best Rumble Pony pitcher in history. Mm. Especially if the Rumble Ponies are going to disappear uh, after the season. Well, his record will be uh, safe forever. Yeah. Uh, Court Oswald has one option remaining. All right, so he'll be in the minors then. So Pion is probably a swingman for Syracuse in that case. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, he's a fine guy to have, but I don't think there's really much you can count on. Now, uh, I believe actually, I saw this from someone in the Slack that Regan Phil Regan was his coach in the Dominican Winter League uh, this year. So I wonder if that that probably played some role in them signing him. Yeah, I mean, if there's familiarity with him, that's always that seems to be a big uh, Brody Van Wagenen thing: signing guys with with familiarity or trading for guys. <laughs> Speaking of trades, um, there was a pretty big trade that went down, and the Mets were not not anywhere nearby. Um, Corey Kluber was traded, and he was traded for not much. He's traded for almost nothing, it feels like. And if there's one thing the Mets have in their system that they could give up, it is almost nothing. <laughs> Take our particular brand of almost nothing. Yeah. Instead of the Rangers brand of almost nothing. So who would be the equivalent in a Corey Kluber trade if the Mets somehow lucked into uh, making a deal with the Indians here? So, so they, they, don't, they don't really have the, the high-end reliever. Uh, Lucas, if you want to. Yeah, I mean, it's Delino, 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 whatever. The Shields and Emmanuel Chase... DeShields is a bad fourth outfielder who hits uh, lefties okay, and uh, Chase is a potentially really special relief prospect, but a relief prospect. I'm pretty sure they could have traded, like, Jake Marisnik, and he'd be the better outfielder, and then, like, uh, Franklin Killamy? Oh, no, they don't have a good David Peterson, maybe? Just give a yeah. starter instead of a reliever? That would be a, a nice upgrade going from Peterson to Clover. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> or, or, you know, how about just give them Anders Jimenez, who is like three tiers better than him? Yeah, who would do it top of both of the players. By a, a wide margin. Significant margin, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, look, Corey Kluber is, has some worrying trends in his philosophy over the last couple of years, but he's still been plenty effective. Last year's 35 injury, well, 35 innings while he was injured, notwithstanding. And his contract is basically 236 or 37. Doable, should be doable. With the second year being an option. So, like, if he really is totally borked, it's 118, 118. Like, I don't know. I feel I feel like even in the Mets' very bad system, they could have been in on this, and like maybe the medicals are totally, completely bad on Kluber, like worse than everyone is knows. But 
Uh, I'm a little annoyed that they they, they let this opportunity pass them by. Yeah, I mean trade trades are always it's it's always kind of one of those things where not having all the information in front of us, we don't know you know mm-hmm. certain things, whatever. But if he was available and all the Mets needed to do in order to acquire him or give up two minor leaguers of similar profiles, then there's no reason they should have been should not have been all, all on top of that. He won the Cy Young in 2017, right? I think 2017. So, all right. So even if you assume he doesn't get back to 2017 levels and he's more at 2018 or 2016 or 2015 levels, those were all still five win pitching seasons. Right. Like a lot of people will say, yeah. A lot of the people that how how can I phrase this? We don't have problems trading minor leaguers or prospects when it's a good trade. The problem is when you're making kind of stupid, nonsensical trades. If you were, even if you gave up a guy like Andres Jimenez, who again is probably a lot more valuable than any of the guys that are going uh, to the Indians that are from Texas, he's a, a pretty high level prospect, but you're giving him up for a bona fide major league pitcher with experience. And yes, there's some red flags because of his injury problems in the past, but you know, the upside is you're getting a Cy Young caliber pitcher for a couple of years. I mean, just think about the opportunity cost here, right? Like Cole and Strasburg are, Cole is definitely better. Strasburg is almost certainly better unless Kluber bounces back in a big way. Right. But he's also better than literally every other pitcher on the market. And he is available for less than two years and $40 million. That's the kind of asset you trade for, not a fourth mm-hmm. outfielder. Yes, exactly. It's like, whatever, Mets. No, Mets are going to Met. Enjoy Rick Port. You'll, you'll get Rick Porcello and Michael Walker, and you'll like it. Yes, you will. Will uh, we, though? Will we? Well, let's let's take a break and uh, meditate on that one for a few minutes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Well, we'll be right back after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Steve Seipel, and I'm joined by Lucas Lajos and Ken Lavin. And the winter meetings just wrapped up. And as all of you Amazing Avenue listeners should know, if you've been uh, listening to Lucas and Ken's podcast, um, you know, 
the Mets didn't really do to any anything too groundbreaking or interesting. Um, but there was a lot going on in the winter meetings, in addition to the Rule Five draft and all those big free agent signings. There were the ongoing negotiations between Major League Baseball and the uh, the National Association of Minor League Clubs, and also Bernie Sanders. Uh, well, yes, Bernie Sanders is getting involved, um, and you know, basically they, they they sat down to negotiate the plan that. MLB said was happening next year that 42 teams would be contracted and multiple leagues eliminated and others change around dramatically. And negotiations, understandably, haven't gone particularly well. Um, Rob Manfred, ironically, is accusing minor league representatives of having a, a take-it-or-leave-it attitude when Major League Baseball is, in fact, the side that is saying these changes are going to happen and there's nothing nobody can do about it, so too bad, yeah, yeah. But, you know, basically... Nothing got done, and all of the same points of contention are, are still the same points of contention. And, you know, t- to me, the most annoying part about uh, this this current, you know, snafu right now is that MLB is feigning concern about, you know, the couple of things that they've mentioned. And in a lot of cases, it's, you know, not actually a problem, or it's, you know, the problem that has been addressed and and dealt with to some degree or is an issue that is actually on Major League Baseball and not even, you know, minor league baseball. Uh, Biggest thing, obviously, is facilities. And, yeah, some aren't that great. Either, you know, the the actual, let's say, play surface, the stands, the, the inside, like, clubhouse stuff itself, whatever. But... There are, as far as I know, no teams, uh, um, no stadiums that are outright, like, you know, dangerous or, or anything like that, you know? And it's not like MLB has any, you know, uh, you shouldn't throw stones at glass houses. How, how often do we see the Oakland A's stadium, you know, covered in sewage from. Yeah, I was going to say, how many minor league stadiums have filled up with sewage in the last, uh, uh half decade? I mean, I'm sure plenty have, but it's just not newsworthy, you know? But it's just, you know, you, and in some cases, stuff like that are just outright lies. Um, we know that the Rumble Ponies are being targeted to, you know, disappear mostly out of convenience because of, you know, where they're located, where the Cyclone's located, and, and obviously what team the owners prefer. But we know that they upgraded their facilities. They are in compliance with, you know, all Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball audits. And how can you, in, you know, how can you say that we're going to, you know, make this this team go away because of their facilities are not great when we know objectively that they are, they passed, and, and everything was good according to those same people that are saying now that it, it's not okay. It's just very hypocritical. Um, it seems food. No, go ahead. It seems, you know, like, like, honestly, I don't think there are any good actors on either side of this, right? Like, even the current system as is sucks for minor leaguers, and Major League Baseball won't fix that. Minor League Baseball won't fix that. This just feels like two groups bickering over, over money mostly, and MLB is definitely more in the wrong, but, but 
I don't know that I have that much sympathy for for minor league owners who get a huge benefit from host hosting me. Like the whole the system as a whole just kind of sucks for for the actual people who have to play the games. I think. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes back down to pay, and you know, as as we and many other places were talking about, you know, a few months ago when that kind of became the hot button topic, like. Just pay your minor leaguers more than minimum wage, pay them a living salary, and a lot of this stuff will not be an issue. Something they've brought up is like, you know, the not quality food and not quality housing situation these guys are living in. Again, you know what fixes that? Better pay. They can eat healthier. They don't have to live in hotels. They don't have to live, you know, six, seven guys living in a two-bedroom, three-bedroom apartment. And with that, I think that Major League Baseball is being greedy um, because if you peek behind the curtain, you know, Major League Baseball is saying all this stuff. And really, when it comes down to pay, there's they, Major League Baseball is looking for the minor league teams to chip in more to pay those minor leaguers. And, you know, it just... The burden should not fall on the minor league teams to play these guys because absolutely it was agreed upon in whatever this whatever the agreement was years ago that they are major league baseball employees, not minor league baseball employees. So why should the minor league clubs have to be chipping in for the extra pay when we know that these major league organizations and owners are the billionaires? And in most cases, even the, the minor league teams that are owned by kind of big conglomerates most of them are not extremely you know comparatively anyway to the to the major league owners and and everything and it is it's just a big money and power imbalance there yeah the money we're talking about is like a rounding error for big league teams absolutely is like a sizable portion of the operating budget for minor league teams so mm-hmm. And Rob Manfred issued a statement um, not that long, a few days ago. And I think that, you know, if you read between the lines, it it shows exactly what Major League Baseball is interested in. And that's saving, you know, these pennies and dimes. Mm -hmm. Because his his solution, if, you know, nothing gets resolved and and they do cram these changes through and there's massive whatever these these things that he's saying are not going to fix the the problems um his quote is if the national association of minor league clubs has an interest in an agreement with major league baseball it must address the very significant issues with the current system at the bargaining table otherwise mlb owners will be free to affiliate with any minor league team or potential team in the united states including independent teams and cities that are not permitted to compete for and affiliate under the current agreement. So basically what he's saying is that they're going to make up their own teams or contract, you know, teams in. We'll in make the, our own minor leagues with blackjack yeah. and hookers. In fact, <laughs> screw the minor league teams and the blackjack. Ah, screw the whole thing. But basically, you know, if the actual problem is stadiums and facilities, who do you think has the better stadium and facilities is it these minor league ball clubs that yes some of them are not the best but they've been affiliated with major league teams for years or you know um the the 
the Sussex, the Sussex County Miners yeah. in the Frontier League in playing in Skyland Stadium. You know, uh, I'm I'm inclined to believe that the teams that are already affiliated with Major League Baseball have the better. I feel like I feel I feel like there there are issues on both sides here, right? Like there are no way I think we're all in agreement on this. There's no way the minor league teams should be responsible for playing these people. The major league teams should pay them. We we've gone over this issue at nauseum. I don't think that's changed. Uh, I'm also sure there are some facilities that suck, and if you're a minor league team and you are getting the benefit of being associated with the major league team. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's some facilities that need to be improved. And then the other issue that I'm sure is just a smokescreen for, for the real actual monetary bullshit on the bottom of it, but I do think is, is a fair critique of the current minor league system is the travel issue. Agreed. And I don't, I don't know how you solve that under the current system, but I also don't trust that either of these sides are negotiating in good faith to say, hey, this is a problem, let's make it better. They're just using that as cover for, well, that's a problem, so we're gonna actually contract the whole system. Mm-hmm. What? And, and if they do adopt, I mean, it sounds like he, Manfred is basically saying that they'll take over, you know, just how they took over the Atlantic League, that they'll, contract, you know, the American Association or the Frontier League, you know, places that already have some infrastructure in place and they'll they'll make those the official modern leagues. Those places are not, you know, they are not any better when it comes to your travel problems, you know. It's it's a pain in the ass to go from southern Illinois where the southern Illinois miners are located mm-hmm. to and, and Quebec where the Quebec capitales are located, you know. Like, there definitely needs to be a solution for that. Like, that's ridiculous. Right. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe you have – I mean, you can – like, I don't know. I feel like the the solution is adding more teams and – or keeping things more local when it comes to the schedule, you know. I know, like, with the the South Atlantic League, most of the teams are south of Maryland – and the Georgias, and and then you have Lakewood all the way up here, which kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. And teams don't, you know, it's not like the teams are going constantly back and forth to Lakewood out of their yeah, way. Yeah, they teams usually come up for a series or two. Right, series. a series or two, and that's every couple of years. Like right. So if when you have leagues with kind of weird geographical imbalances like that, then you need to sit down at the schedule and figure it out, or you know, rework things. So you know. something something has to be reworked on that front. I don't know whether it's like committees to control relocation or wh- what the solution is, right? I, I, I'm not an expert on this topic. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have thought more about it, right? I'm pretty confident the solution isn't just elite 40 minor league teams. Yeah, not gonna not gonna help things. Like. And it's it's very it's very frustrating that you you see this topic and you you see this issue come up originally and you're like wow okay maybe some of these actual issues will get addressed and then in short in very quickly you realize it's devolved into the usual nonsense uh, non helpful bickering about money mm-hmm. and um, you know minor league baseball has issued statements on the a handful on the handful of things that. 
Major League Baseball said is a problem. And on the point of team travel, they said, quote, under the current agreement, Major League Baseball teams review and approve travel itineraries for all minor league baseball affiliates. The current agreement has guidelines addressing mileage, commuter trips, and departure arrival times. And, you know, it goes on. But, you know, basically this is – it's been a kind of crappy deal for these minor leaguers, you know, going back and forth on charter buses – Miles and miles and miles, long, very long trips. But that's how it's been for years and years, and it's all been approved for Major League Baseball, and it never was a problem in the past. Not to kind of appeal to whatever, you know, to that's always how things have been, so it's fine. Because, yes, like you said, it is it is a shitty thing. Oops, I can't say that. Oh, it's a crappy it's... thing. <laughs> but, you know, it, it in the last, you know... um contractual re-up between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball was not an issue. The one before that, it was not an issue. The one before that was not an issue. Now, all of a sudden, it's a major issue to the point that we need to contract 42 teams. Like, come on. Boy, given that this is the way the MLB seems to negotiate, boy, I can't wait till we have to do a new CBA in a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah, things are going to be... uh, The next year or two are going to be... yeah. I mean, I mean, who knows? Next season, there might not be any more. You know, we might all be, uh, we might all be laid off because there might not be any minor leagues. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell Brian. We'll just yeah. keep doing the farm reports and the podcast and we just don't tell anyone. It's that, fine. I mean, we could try, see how that goes. But yeah, it's, uh, it'll be an interesting next year or two. In Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. I'm not, I'm not particularly optimistic we get a solution that anyone's happy with. No, and that's the thing. Like, what, what are they going to do? Is Major League Baseball just going to say, like, well, are they going to actually pull the trigger and do what they're saying? That they're just going to ignore everything that Minor League Baseball is saying and doing and just kind of do their own thing without anyone else's input? Like, I, I don't know, legally... Can they do that? I feel like they can't, but they're acting like they can. And if they do do that, then what are the repercussions? I mean, there's probably all kinds of lawsuits. There's, I don't know. And as we've, as we mentioned before, you know, politicians are getting involved and, you know, at the local level, you know, all these teams are having their local politicians, mayors, congresspeople, whoever, you know, involved in in protecting them and you know we have you know guys you know on the national level like bernie sanders saying you can't do this and it's just i don't know it's just baseball is entangled in local and national politics very much so and it'll be interesting how this all goes down and shakes up how much are uh are minor league stadiums subsidized a lot of the time, like major league stadiums, or is that not as common? Uh, yes, they. I want to say that they are even more so because I know one of the not issues, but when Binghamton was having their press conference about how their stadium is up to par and everything, a big sticking point was that their owner, I want to say his name is John Hughes, that he invested a lot of his own personal money in improving the stadium 
which is owned by the city of Binghamton or whatever. So, mm-hmm. so you'd expect lots of as like local politicians who just maybe approved investments in these stadiums to to not be so happy when MLB rips their team away. Right. Look at Kingsport. The last couple of years, they've been investing in re um, rezoning and creating a new entertainment complex in what used to be a quarry, I believe, or some kind of chemical thing. I don't know. But and and basically, the, they were looking to build a new stadium for the Kingsport Mets and. Not ironically, one Sterling Equities was involved in all of the real estate dealings down there. Hmm. And, you know, now all of a sudden the, the Kingsport Mets and the entire Appalachian League is going to go poof. So, yeah, there's got to be a lot of unhappy people. Which is why it just seems very short, not short-sighted. By what? Which is why it just seems that like it just can't happen in the way that Major League Baseball is saying it's going to happen. Because it just, if you yank the the tablecloth, everything, all the dishes on the table are going to fall, and that's going to be a major problem. And there's just too many people getting screwed over for mm-hmm. it to actually happen. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. All right, well, do you guys have uh, any last words for the week? Uh, who's the next? Uh, who are the Indians going to trade next? Lindor, we don't have enough for that. Damn. I mean, at the, at the rate that Kluber is traded, we probably do. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, how much... Ahmed Rosario and like every prospect in the system, I still wouldn't take that for Lindor, but maybe the Indians do. So give them a call and see what they say. Hey, don't hurt to ask now. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if anyone has any questions or comments, you can send us an email at our email address from complex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and shoot questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at at Elvajos343, and Ken is at KenLavin91. And you can subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your uh, podcasts from, and rate and review them. And we will be back next week. Um, have not decided the topic yet, but it's Christmas, so, and Hanukkah, and so Christmas maybe we'll, Yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe we can see what kind of Mets gifts we get. I don't know, but... Whatever we talk about next week, I don't know, we'll we'll be here. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.